bless your name, Jesus. Glory to your mighty name, Father. You are worthy. God, you are honorable. You are just. You are loving. You are kind. Lord, you are understanding. You are gracious. You are great. Father, you are kind-hearted. You suffer long for us. You wait for us. You come to find us. You come to see about us. You understand us. You don't condemn us. You embrace us. We mean something to you. <clears throat> we are important to you. And you don't fail to let us know that. You allow the sun to rise because of your love for us. You allow us to live by the light of the moon because of your love for us. You allow the wind to blow because of your love for us. eyes to see, our ears to hear, you allow activity of our limbs, and Father, even those of us who don't have those privileges, you still allow us to breathe, you allow us to be, and you allow us to be exactly who we are, where we are in your presence. You don't shy away from us because of what we have not achieved yet or who we have not become yet but you draw closer to us because you want relationship with us just that bad, Father, and we just don't want to take that for granted. We want to acknowledge the things this morning that seem so small, but they're not. They're not small at all. Just the fact that you know each of our names, you know each of our circumstances, you know the things about us that nobody else knows, and yet and still you choose to love us, Father we just appreciate that this morning. We appreciate you, Father, for all the small things, all the things that we take for granted, the fact that we can have joy in the midst of chaos, the fact that we still have our minds, the fact that you kept us from making bad decisions as reactions to life circumstances. Father, there are a million different places that we should have ended up but because of your grace, Father, and because of your hedge of protection, Lord, because of the angels that you send to fight on our behalf, you kept us from making some bad decisions, Father. And the other decisions that we actually went through with making, you kept us from circumstances that follow. You kept us from the territories that go with the choices we've made. And that's not a small thing, Father. It's, it's not a small thing. Thank you, Lord that I did not succumb to the decision that I made and followed through with. Thank you that the end result that should have been mine wasn't. Thank you that I'm not where I should have been. And thank you that you didn't leave me where you found me. Thank you, Lord, that you walk with us as we climb. You go with us on this path, on this journey, Father God, and you promise to be with us the entire time and you may not always explain everything to us Lord but the things that we need to know and the things that we need to hear and the things that we need to understand you supply that for us Father and we are just appreciative we're appreciative of all the small things today all the small things all the things that we are told are are they don't matter in life thank you Father for running water thank you Father for 
the privilege to go to a refrigerator and pull out a bottle of water to drink. Thank you, Father. And even if there's not much in it, we have closets that we can choose out of the two t-shirts we might have. It doesn't matter. It's a small thing, but it's a big thing because it's all because you made it possible. And anything that you make possible, Father, is a big deal. The fact that our hearts beat without any effort from us at all, Lord God, that is because of you. And we honor you for that. We honor you for all the small things this morning, God. Sometimes trying to yield our feelings and yield our attitudes, it, it's hard and it feels like work because we don't want to do it. But you are understanding and you are caring and you are loving and you are patient with us, Father, and we are just grateful. We're grateful, Lord. We are grateful. We're grateful. We are grateful. We are grateful, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for not reacting to me the way I've acted towards you sometimes. Thank you that you're not like me. That, thank you that you don't think like me. Thank you that you don't react like me. Thank you that you don't choose like me. Thank you that you don't refrain like me. Thank you, Lord, for treating me better than I treat me sometimes. Thank you, Lord, for treating me better than the world has treated me. Thank you for treating us better than we treat you. Thank you, Lord. We honor you. We bless your name. Lord, we lift our voices. We lift our, our hands. We lift our hearts. We lift our circumstances. We lift everything about us up to you. And we lay it at the foot of your throne because that's where it belongs. You tell us to cast all our cares on you because you care for us, Father. So this morning, we cast all of our cares at the foot of your throne where they belong. Father, we cast everything that you paid for back where it belongs. Help us to leave it there. Help us not to pick it back up because the temptation will come to try and resolve a thing ourselves. But Lord, help us, Lord, to leave it there. Help us to leave it there and not to worry, God. It's so hard not to worry sometimes. It's so hard not to overthink things sometimes, Lord. But help us, God, to just surrender our feelings to you, whatever they are, whatever our emotions are. Help us to surrender them to you, Father, so that you can then show us the resolution. So that we can see the resolution of your power because that's the only thing that's gonna resolve anything that we are dealing with, God. So thank you, Lord, just for being who you are, just for doing what you do. Thank you for doing it so well. God, there is, the, there is no other God but you. Nobody can be God but you, and nobody can beat you at what you do. All of our fixes are temporary, God, and they can come undone, but what you do and what you say, it lasts. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everything about you is good and perfect and right and holy. God, everything about you is peaceful. Everything about you is joyful. Everything about you, even your anger, even your wrath, it is holy. It is holy, God. It is holy. You are holy. You are holy. You are holy. You are holy. And we don't even understand all of what that means, but we will continue to declare that you are holy because whether we understand it or not, it is the truth. And we know we won't understand it completely until we are in heaven with you, God. But until then, we will continue to declare that you are holy. You are holy. You're holy. You're holy. 
You're holy. You're holy. You're holy. And because you are holy, Father, we can be holy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 God, I honor you. I bless you, Lord. I give you what is due your name. Bless your holy name, Jesus, for you are great and you are mighty. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Revive us again. We praise thee, O God, for the son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now Lord above. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. Revive us again. Revive us again and again and again and again. You are holy. You are wonderful. God, our words fail us. There just aren't enough words in the English language to describe how wonderful you are. There's just, it just, there's, there's not enough. And we will never be able to express how we actually feel about you, God, the contents of our heart towards you, Lord. But what we do know and what we do have, we offer to you, God, and you are holy. We know that you're holy. We know that you're righteous. We know that you're powerful. You are mighty and you are kind, Father God. So we honor you with what we have. We honor you with what we know because that's all you require of us. You don't ask us for things that we're not capable of. So God, we honor you with what we do know. We honor you with what we do have. Little becomes much when we place it in your hands. So the little bit that we have, Father, we give it to you this morning. We give it to you. We honor you with it, Lord God. It belongs to you. Hallelujah. We agree with the atmosphere of heaven. We echo what the what the heavens are saying. We echo what the angels around the throne are saying. We echo what the elders around the throne are saying when they cast down their crowns at your feet. Father, you are holy. We echo the same thing. We echo the same sentiment, God. We agree with the atmosphere of heaven, Father. We agree, Father. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come, God. You are worthy, and we honor you, and we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Open your mouth and bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. The Bible doesn't say bless when, you're, when you've made it to perfection. It says just bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, every flaw, every mistake everything I don't like, everything I disagree with, everything I don't understand, we command you to bless the Lord. We command ourselves to talk to yourself and say, I command you to bless the Lord. I command me to bless the Lord. I command me to bless the Lord. I command me to bless the Lord. God, I bless your name. You are holy. You are worthy. God, we honor you. We lift you. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter who I was yesterday. I lift your name now. It doesn't matter what I am standing in. I lift your name now. Demons know that you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings and that you are God. Hallelujah. I command me to bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name, Jesus. Jesus, 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 
There's something about that name. Hallelujah. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but your name remains, God. There is something about that name. There is something about that name. There's something about your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name, Lord. Bless your name, Jesus. Glory to your mighty name, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Bless your name for just one quick second without any music. We're just going to worship because when worship began, they didn't have instruments. There were no instruments. And so it's a luxury, but it's not a necessity. Your voice and your breath are all that is needed. Your voice and your breath, your breath, it says everything that hath breath, whether you can even speak or not, there's still a way for you to glorify God. So God, we honor you and we bless you. We raise your name high in this place. We honor you and we bless your name, Father, because you are holy and you are worthy. God, you are great and you are mighty. There is nothing that you cannot do, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You're the alpha and the omega. You're the beginning and the ending, Father God. Hallelujah. Lord, you are everywhere. Hallelujah. You know everything. God, we bless your holy name. Jesus, we we bless your name we bless your name we bless your name father because your name in and of itself holds power god we bless your name thank you for giving us a name that we can call that contains all the power that we need for each and every life circumstance father everything that we will ever experience your name is the remedy lord god your name is the remedy you are the answer for the world today above you there's no other you are the only way hallelujah 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 we surrender all we surrender everything we surrender we surrender we yield hallelujah bless your name jesus you are worthy and you are holy you're holy you're holy i've got to remind myself that you are holy you are holy i forget that sometimes you're holy you're holy you're holy you've always been holy You've always been mighty. You've always been worthy of praise. You've always been worthy. And we honor you. We bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Glory to your mighty name, Father. Hallelujah. We bless you. We honor you. We lift your name high, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name. Glory to your mighty name, Jesus. 
Worthy is your name, God. You are holy. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A song that's always been in me. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all glory and honor, dominion and power to you. Glory to your holy name, Jesus. A million angels fall face down on the floor. All to echo, holy is the Lord. My heart can't help but sing with all of heaven roar. Forever echo, holy is the Lord. Oh, 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 oh. forever echo, holy is the Lord. Memorized by every heart, written in eternity. Every lifted voice apart, joining in the symphony. To echo holy is the Lord My heart can't help but sing With all of heaven roar Forever echo holy is the Lord Whoa, whoa Forever echo your holy name lord you are holy and you are worthy and you are mighty bless your name jesus hallelujah hallelujah glory to your mighty name lord we honor you and we bless your name jesus thank you thank you thank you jesus at the edge of time there before the throne of grace Majesty before my eyes, I'll let it take my breath away. A million angels fall face down on the floor, all to echo holy is the Lord. My heart can't help but sing. With all of heaven roar, forever echo. A million angels fall, face down on the floor. All to echo, holy is the Lord. My heart can't help but sing. With all of heaven roar, forever echo, holy is the Lord. Whoa, whoa, forever. 
God, that what we sang, what we prayed is so true that not one weapon formed, not one arrow shot, not one circumstance or scheme of the enemy has a place in our life. They must fall. We're raising an anthem, an anthem of praise like your children marching around Jericho. Lord God, like, like, the, like the praise team sent out from the king into the midst of the enemy, we raise up an anthem of praise, Lord God, and we know that in that praise, Everything that's not you must fall. Sickness must fall in the name of Jesus. Depression, anxiety, addiction in the name of Jesus. Generational curses that have been passed down. We shatter them by the cross of Jesus Christ. Daddy, your power is limitless. We know the enemy lies because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy everything that you are in our lives. But we declare today that you are the king over it all. Over our life, over our dreams, over our hopes, over our brokenness, over our past, our present, and our future. You're the king of it all. So you deserve the praise. Because not only did you accept someone like us, not only did you redeem someone like us, not only will you bless someone like us, but daddy you love people like us and I can't figure it out 
this unfathomable love. But one thing I want to do today is praise you for it. I want to stand in the midst of it. And I want to give you the glory due your name. So we stand. And as we pray today, let your kingdom come, Daddy. In every way. Whatever needs to be shaken in our life, shake it. Whatever needs to be broken, break it, Lord God. Whatever needs to be removed, take it out. Let your kingdom come. Come on, church. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And together we say amen and amen. Can we give God one more moment of praise? Just thank Him for loving you. Thank you for loving someone like me. Daddy, we love you, Jesus. You're the King, Holy Spirit. Come and move in this place today. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, hey. So good to be in the house today. Church, welcome. Welcome to Connect. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for getting up. Thank you for traveling in. Thank you for picking a really cool seat. That's right, leaders, sit down front. I got you, Nikki. That's good. I'm so glad that you're here today. Man, Shayla, look, thank you. So, my default mechanism may be like yours. Is when I get into church, like, all right, let's start the agenda. Let's get it rolling. And my agenda is, let's get through the songs. Let's praise God. Let's get to the prayer. Let's get through the prayer to get to the sermon. Let's get to the... Any, anyone else? Oh, is it any, right? And sometimes, sometimes, I want to rush it and not let it breathe. But see, what you experienced this morning was the breath of God. Because sometimes, I know like myself, my week has been nuts. It's been filled with stress and anxiety and worry and my, flat, my house flooded and it was my fault, right? Like all... Like all these things. And I need a little breath before. Don't get me wrong, I could get into the, right off the bat, I, could, I, can, I, I, I got it. Anybody else can do the spiritual exercises in the morning? Hallelujah, spiritual exercises. I can get it. But man, sometimes not only does the church need a breath, but my soul needs a breath for a moment. Because with that breath comes the breath of God. Don't rush that moment. That moment you experience today is holy to its core. It is as important as any word I will ever preach. Because that, in the midst of worship, God's presence comes. And he deals with us personally as we deal with him personally. So Shayla, thank you. Chris, team, you guys are amazing. Thank you. Can you guys give these guys a hand? They're so amazing. And I want to just say thank you. Look, if you're a guest this morning, thank you for coming and being a part of Connect as well. Thank you for being in this house. There's going to be a, a QR code up there on the screens in just a second. That just, uh, you know, if you want to find out a little bit more about church, about who we are, what we do, where we're going, uh, let us know what you're about as well. We'd love to hear from you. You can check that out. Those codes are all over the place as well. You don't have to take a quick picture now, but thank you for coming. Prayerfully consider, man, making this your home as well because we want to do life together here in this place well look we believe in generations and we're excited for generations so would you guys all right kiddos you can follow pastor kevin and lisa out church can you give them a hand as they're going thank you thanks to the children's ministry we love you guys keep blessing them as you're being seated give somebody next to you a high five an air high five a fist pump whatever it is 
Thomas, good to see him this morning. Always good to see him this morning. Woo! One thing before we, uh, we have something really special uh, this morning planned. But I just want to really invite you back. Take a moment right now to invite you back next week. Uh, next week we'll be honoring fathers uh, as well as Juneteenth, which um, I'm ex- so excited to be able to honor both of those on the same weekend because there's something about um, sacrifices that are made and uh, people who are willing to lead in the midst of that. And so we're, we're, we have TKC is going to be here. Our mobile food truck uh, is going to be here. They have uh, special desserts made in honor of all that. It's going to be so cool. So you're not going to want to miss it. Be here uh, and plan to stay a few minutes afterwards. I know it's Father's Day and Juneteenth. Don't run out just for a few moments because there's something powerful that can happen when we stay and hang out together for a little bit. Get to know somebody. Grab a cupcake and say Hi. I'm really excited, before I get into the Word today, I'm really excited. Um, I asked a great friend of ours and a great friend of this house, uh, Matthew Harris, to come and just share for a few moments to give a testimony. Matthew, can you come up really quick? I'm going to, Matt, right over here, give Matthew a hand as he's coming. I love this dude a ton. Ah. Matthew is, uh, uh, for some of you who may not know Matthew and Liberty, serve the king and the kingdom in Nepal. Uh, They serve in a mission hospital there that uh, Matthew's a doctor. um, And Liberty does amazing work outside of the hospital in the community. It is not a Christian uh, country. And so, uh, and and matter of fact, Matthew, I'm sure will tell you, it is a minority Christian country. Um, And so what they're doing is incredible. Matthew and Liberty are going to share with uh, share uh, here in a couple of weeks uh, with Pastor Danielle and I. We're going to have a fun Sunday. But I just want to take a moment to let you hear from Matt. Matthew's been a part of this church for since a decade. Seven years here, three years in Nepal. Three years in Nepal is crazy. I can't believe it. Matt, tell people just really quick, you know, Talk to us just about what God's doing in Nepal, uh, some of the, the, some of the, 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 both the struggle and the victory that you and Liberty have, have faced in the midst of that. Because, you know, probably in here, most of us don't know, couldn't find Nepal on a map. Uh, probably the only thing we know about Nepal is what we saw in a Doctor Strange movie, right? Uh, Kathmandu. And so, uh, oh, I got, all right, I got some Marvel fans out there. Yeah, that's right. I love it when the, when the ladies are shaking their head. That's right, Marvel fans, that's what I'm talking about. Um, but I don't want to steal your time. Matthew, buddy, look, I love you. Thank you. You, you are, I didn't, you know, I didn't introduce him as a missionary because he's more than that. He is a servant of our king, serving our king in that land. And he's taking ground for the kingdom of God. That's worth honoring. So Matt, go ahead before I cry. Go, Matt. Let's just go. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. It's such a privilege to be standing here. Uh, my wife, Liberty, and I were a part of Connect for about seven years while I was here doing my surgical training uh, just nearby in Camden. Um, and this church became such an integral part of what God was doing in our life at the time. I had had we, my wife and I, had had missions in our hearts since we were little. We grew up in the church, and we were kids pastors and missionaries, so it was always a part of who we were, Um, but it became a journey that we had to walk out with God in faith to get where we are today. Mm. So we're just coming back after having been three years in Nepal, which was probably a decade-long journey of that specific dream coming to fruition. 
and Connect had such an instrumental role to play in that because it was such an evolving period where I was doing my surgical training and working crazy hours and trying to figure out how God was going to get us to the other side of the planet and how all that was going to work. And he supernaturally did it. Maybe it'll be another time to share all those details. I don't want to get bogged down in that. But he defined the way. But in so many ways, the relationships that we built here in Connect at the time were instrumental in walking out our discipleship and yeah. growing in community and preparing us for that. So we've been in Nepal for three years now. We just got back. Well, we came back in February because we'd finished our first term. Missionaries kind of go on assignments, and they have things called furloughs where they come back to their home country and spend some downtime, sometimes additional trainings, and just kind of regrouping and revamping for the, you know, the next mission out. We had had the opportunity to serve in a program with Samaritan's Purse, which was a three-year time window, and that's finished up now and come back, and God's done mighty things. For those of you who don't know where Nepal is, it's on the other side of the world. It's a long way from here. <laughs> and there's no accidental way to end up there. Yeah, I learned that. That's right. So yeah, that's you don't exactly sort right. of go to Kathmandu on the way to anything, <laughs> anywhere. It's true. Um, but it is an amazing place. And in the Doctor Strange movie, that really was Kathmandu he was in. Um, and it's actually a really cool city. And it's an international city. But it's steeped in mysticism. It's steeped deeply in the Hindu religion. Yeah. And Nepal is this little bitty country that sits over on the other side of the world in Southeast Asia in between India and China, two massively big brothers. And it's kind of vying in between trying to find its place in the world. And in the midst of that, it's the only country in the entire world that declares itself a Hindu kingdom. Wow. We talk in church a lot about kingdoms. Yeah. This is a place that says, if yep. you are born into this culture, you are Hindu. Wow. And lately, the government has been flexing its muscles in a mightier way to even push out nonprofits that have been working there for many years, people that have been doing instrumental work, because really the devil's trying to flex his muscles yep. because he's understanding the time is short and he's getting really scared of what about what Yeah, about good, Matthew, good, Matthew. Yep. So in the country of Nepal, despite the fact that it declares itself a Hindu kingdom, it is probably maybe only second to China and maybe not even second to China, the fastest growing church in the world. Wow. So God is moving and building his church in supernatural ways in the middle of a country that says you cannot convert yourself from come one on. religion to another. Come on, come on. The come Lord on. will have his way. Come on. So can't we stop have it. the opportunity to participate in that journey, to walk it out. I do work as a surgeon in a mission hospital there, and it is a beautiful story of how that came about. But the hospital itself has probably been there about 70 years, and doing the work of the Lord in the midst of such a culture steeped in, this tradition, uh, in these deep religions. And yet, on the, ban on the front of our hospital is a banner, and it says very simple words, both in Nepali and English, we serve Jesus heals. Wow. And the power of that is when people come into our hospital, there have been many moments where miracles have had to occur because our resources are limited sometimes. Yeah, yeah, our yeah. capacity and yep. skills are limited yep. sometimes. But God is never limited by any boundary, yes. by any culture, yes. by any place, yes, by what mate. you do come have, on, by preach. what you don't have. Yes. Right? And so in many of these moments, and I just want to take this as an opportunity to say thank you. The, the biggest thing I want to stand up here today and say three years down line from when I was last in this room is number one, this room has been a tremendous blessing in my wife and I's life, and many blessings and prophecies and mm, prayers over yeah. us and just experiences with God happened right here wow. as God began to build us for this journey. And in the midst of that, as that's occurred, I've learned the power of prayer partnership, of yep. partnership. Yep. And the beauty of that is, and I will tell you, literally, one of your pastors in the last couple of weeks that I got to sit down with, sit down with, shared this story with me, and I just want to use it as an example. They were in Philly in a neighborhood that I lived in a few years back. And they were looking for a parking place to go to a cafe they like to hang out at. And they were just trying to find a place in Philly. This is the challenge of every single day. We all understand <laughs> that. Yep. It's just, yeah, it's a thing. And so they look up and they realize they were standing on our block in the house we used to live in. Wow. And they grabbed hands as a family and they said, we're going to pray. And they prayed over us. 
And the reason that's so powerful to me is there are, on the other side of the world in a different time zone, moments in the middle of the night when I was in an operating room at 2 in the morning, and I didn't have the capacity on my own, and I didn't feel like I had the skills on my own, I didn't feel like I had the ability on my own. In those moments, I called out to God, and there were times when I was literally standing, waiting to begin a surgery, and I could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, you're standing here, and you will come through this, and you will help these people because of the others around the world that are standing in partnership with you and have been praying for you. Wow. I literally felt yes. the power yes. of understanding that partners around the world that had prayed for us and believed in us were carrying us at that moment. Yes. And so it went to a whole new level of what partnership really wow. means. So whether knowingly or unknowing, uh, whether knowingly or unknowing, your church has supported us, has stood with us in relationship, in prayer, in finances, in all the things it takes to be able to do an adventure like this. And that's what we've been on is an adventure. The beauty of it is that we're back for a short term here where we're transitioning to what's considered a long-term missionary agency, doing some trainings, catching up with friends and family, and in the midst of that have the opportunity to go back to Nepal in the fall as we feel that God has called us again for another assignment to serve there. And in so many moments, as we are working in these limited resource settings, we see the power of God move in individuals' lives who may come in. The majority of our patients that we work with are very marginalized, they're very poor yeah. people, and yep. they come to our hospital because they will receive care no matter what they can bring in the door or what they can't. And we're going to reach out to them. But in the midst of that, they feel the compassion and the love of God that yes. transforms their hearts. And in those moments where we see literal miracles that go beyond our capacity as doctors and nurses and healthcare workers, is what we see happen is that miracle, that healing in their body, that compassion that they experience yes. that they have never felt inside a caste system. They've never felt inside the, the villages of these very rural places and jungles. Never felt from any other human in their whole life. Ever been told they're worth anything. Wow. And when they experience that, it transforms them inside out. It heals their body, but it heals their spirit. And that's when the door for salvation Come is on, open. that's it, man. That's Come the on. witness that Jesus Yeah, that's so good, bro. So good. And I don't want to take up too much time, but I just want to share one little nugget to encourage you today. I've learned a lot of things, and I could spend all day talking about it. Maybe we'll get another chance to talk about some more things later on in the summertime when we get to come back. But this one story I want to share. There's a very simple parable in the New Testament in the Gospels. It only takes up a couple verses. And I never paid a whole lot of attention to it until it came back to me in this season. And it's the story of the man who found a treasure in a field. Yes. And the beauty of that story is when the man discovered the treasure in the field, he found it so precious, so worth it, that he sold everything he had to go and purchase that field that held the treasure. Yeah. Now I've spent my last several years in a place on the other side of the world where I found new family, new friendships, new relationships, and all of a sudden I've discovered a treasure mm -hmm. that I didn't know about, that we, my wife and I and my son Ezekiel didn't know about prior to just a few years back. In that moment I understood, yeah, on the front end there were some sacrifices. We had to offload a lot of things. We had to give away <laughs> or sell or just do something with a lot of stuff in order yep. to pick up and carry ourselves in like six crates to the other side of the world and live there and function there. And yet, despite what felt like maybe a sacrifice, it's been minuscule in comparison to the treasure we found wow. in the field that God called us to. Wow, it come on, Matthew. It was worth it all. Yes. And so what I want to tell you about your life is there is a field that you are called to. Yes. That in it holds a treasure. And you were designed by God to find that field, to purchase it, and to give your life to it. But Ooh. when you do, it will be greater than any experience, greater than any fulfillment than you can imagine wow. because God created you to live in it. So I just want to say so thank good, you man. for making it possible to do the work that we're doing. We love you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Come on, brother. Woo! Love you, dude. That was... I... How do you preach? Come on, give Matthew a hand. That's amazing. I don't need to preach now. We can go home. Everybody, amen. Wow. I mean, 
what wisdom, what nuggets, I hope, look, did you receive a nugget, anything, like that is, see here's the beautiful thing before we hop in the word, you don't have to go somewhere else to be what Matthew's talking about. The, 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 the greatest failure uh, or misunderstanding in our life sometimes with the Great Commission is that we think the Great Commission is about going, like go somewhere. And we go, I can't go, I've got kids, I've got a job, i got this, i got this. No, no, that word going is a participle. It means this, while you're living your life, here's the command, make a disciple. Now sometimes Jesus does say, while you're living your life, I'm going to live your life in Nepal or China or South Africa. But sometimes it's South Philly or Mount Laurel, come on somebody, or Cherry Hill. While you're living, we all have the same command. Make disciples. What a great opportunity we have with God. Well, look, that, that, what Matthew just said segues perfectly kind of into what we talked about last week, what we're going to talk about this week. So are you guys ready for the word today? Uh, I, you already received part of the word that God has through worship, through Matthew. Today I get a chance to be a part of that word. Um, since you have your Bible, why don't you open with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It's written by Matthew who is uh, a, a disciple of Jesus. He was there the whole time uh, living this out. It's, this, we're going to talk about part two of what we started with last week. Realizing that many of us struggle with a kind of skewed biblical context of how we see life and how rather today we can start to recognize how we can find Jesus in, in his kingdom a little bit more. So if you, if you need a title for today's message, it's the horse before the cart. The horse before the cart. Why? Because we've all heard that old adage, don't put the cart before the horse. What's that mean? It means there, there are things that we have that are right, but they may be out of order. We, we, we may have misprioritized some things. We, we may not have seen the bigger picture in some moments in life. And I think the challenge for you and I today, especially as modern believers, is that it's easy to get the, the cart before the horse when it comes to understanding how to live in the kingdom of God. Especially because we've been taught and we, we've been reinforced that we, we view things uh, uh, through how the kingdom of God should be affecting our own lives. How, what's God, basically, what is God going to do for me? What has God done for me lately? And we view the kingdom through how it affects our life. That is the cart before the horse. Because what we really should be asking is how does our lives, how can our lives bless the king through his kingdom? How do we bless him? Worship isn't something that we do on a Sunday morning. Worship is what we do with our life every day. So how is it that we can bless him, worship him by living out the kingdom every day? Let me ask this. Have we ever felt like we, we've been trying to do everything right? Have you ever felt like you've been trying to do everything right, but things just aren't flowing? It's still not quite there yet, right? Things just aren't kind of lining up. Can I, can I just tell you, the word tells us that the issue with that is that we begin to get anxious, we get worried, we stress ourselves out, we put both hands back on the wheel, I'm sorry Carrie Underwood, but Kyle takes the wheel, he takes it from his hands, right? And we begin to, we begin to biblically start to put together, figure out how to move God, what do we have to do to get God to move for us. Why? So that things can start to flow again. That's our end goal. Our end goal is how do I get what I want? 
how do I do it? I go back to my religious formula. That is skewed biblical thinking. But it's in us. That's why this text is so essential that we're going to look at today because it helps us to keep the, the horse in front of the cart. It helps us to challenge ourselves, our souls, our mind, will, and emotions, our desires, our skewed and very often selfish biblical perspectives that have been influenced by the enemy, whether we know it or not. And it challenges us to fall in line with the kingdom context of who Jesus is himself. We start with Jesus, not with us. We start with, we start with Christianity starts with Jesus, not with us. I didn't find Jesus. He wasn't lost. He died for me as me, come on, took my hell. It starts with him and comes to me. That's the beautiful picture in this. So here in this text that we're going to look at, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, right, which is one of the most significant teachings that Jesus ever does on how to significantly live out in the kingdom of God. And right in the middle of this teaching, he seems to use this verse to transition between teaching the kingdom of God and and what it does for us individually, right? Because it does, right? He talks about blessed are those, the Beatitudes. There are verses that bless us. He talks about the benefits of fasting. He talks about uh, 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 what Jesus, um, uh, the Lord's Prayer. He teaches us what Je- that Jesus came to fulfill the law. He teaches us uh, how to get over stress and anxiety. All those things are in there that are beautiful. But in this moment, he also teaches us to see a bigger picture, a picture larger than ourself. He starts to say, great, now that you understand it, now stop judging people around you. Let's see how to influence our world. Let's see what does it look like to have a fruit uh, coming from a tree, and how does that tree share it with the world? How do we live out the kingdom of God in the world around us? What does it do? How do we build our life on on the rock in such a way that whenever persecution comes, we're still standing? It's this transition that helps to remind us it is not our kingdom that God blesses. It is his kingdom that we should serve. The kingdom of God is not about our kingdom, getting God to bless our kingdom. It is about his kingdom that he's inviting us to connect with and be a part of, to bless him through. That's what Matthew 6.33 says. It says, but, but, is this a transition But, whenever you see but, however, this is a transition. But, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Usually we leave that off. And all these things shall be added to you. That's usually where we start. How do I get everything that should be added to me? Oh, i got to seek first the kingdom. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient the day is its own troubles. Everybody could say amen because, you know, every day has its own trouble in it. But what I love about this is this. We're going to start right off. Jesus starts with this, but seek. That word seek in the Greek is an imperative verb. That means it's a command. Jesus is not suggesting that we seek, kind of encouraging us maybe if we get around to it. Hey, if we want to be better, this is what we should do. No, this is a command from our king to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness with everything we have above everything else. Seek it. But what's so beautiful about it, what doesn't make it condemning, because I know it's easy to hear that through condemnation, is that when this verb is used and it's tied together with Jesus in the New Testament, it's seeking with the purpose of connection. It's seeking 
with the purpose of connection. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He was coming to connect with us. He left the 99 to seek after the one, to connect with us. He, so he left the, ten, the nine coins to find the one coin. that was. He's connecting. See, this is the beautiful thing that God is inviting us to, this deeper level of connection, that when we seek him, we'll connect with him in a level that we can't have on our own. When we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, we'll start connecting in ways with the world we can't manifest on our own. That's what Matthew was saying. There was treasure in Nepal he didn't know about until he began to seek first what God was doing, where God was doing it in his field. And then there were things that were manifest he couldn't produce on his own. Religion tells you that you and I can follow the right rules to produce the right outcome. It's a lie. It's a trap of the devil. God is inviting us to connect with him and to connect with our world in ways we've never connected before. That's what this verse does. How beautiful is that? And I want to, before we even start, I want to just ease our fears that seeking is not perfection, right? You don't have to be perfect in your seeking. Because that messes up so much, especially when our context is doing what needs to get done correctly so that I can get what I want promptly. If I want what I want promptly, I'm asking what do I have to get done correctly to get what I want done promptly. Here's the problem with that. Then I'm always worried I'm going to mess things up. So I may even be doing the right things from the wrong place. Cart before the horse. The Bible actually says sometimes we don't have, not because we haven't asked, but we ask because our motives are wrong. We got them flip-flopped. The truth is it's not about perfection. It's about passion and pursuit and priority. Jesus says first and foremost above everything else, you and I need to seek out the kingdom. It is our first and foremost priority. It doesn't go hand in hand with something. It is the something. Pastor D is going to speak next week a little bit about uh, this kingdom being the kingdom, not a part of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And because it is his, his righteousness, his righteousness, that reveals our direction and our focus. That's what we should be pursuing, him. And because it's his righteousness and his kingdom, it makes it about passion for him instead of perfection trying to be our best Christian for him. How do I fall more in love with him? That's what seeking the kingdom and his righteousness is all about. The question gets back to how do I fall in love with him more? Simply put, my friends, this verse is about how to worship him. How do I worship him? It's part of what Jesus says in Matthew 22, right, 37, 38, when he's saying the, the, the first commandment of everything is to love the Lord your God with everything. So in order to worship him and love him with everything, we have to make him our priority. We have to actually not do it out of obligation, but out of passion. We have to pursue who he is, not just what he does. This is the trap of Christianity. And today, when we're trying to get God on our side to bless us, rather than stopping to say, how can my life bless God? How do I worship him with everything I've got? Because the trap is this. Righteousness does not start with an action. It starts with a person. As modern believers, so often, we tend to start with the what. What do I have to do in order to get 
to be righteous. What do I have to do to be righteous enough for God to bless? By the way, which is us then seeking our own righteousness, not his. Because the question is, what do I have to do so that I'm righteous enough? But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, seek after his righteousness. So often, I think, when we're working off this skewed biblical context we talked about last week and kind of cherry-picking verses and building our life off of that, we come to the kingdom and we're still trying to work out and work on our own sense of righteousness, and so we're tempted to live in comparison with others. So we live in ourselves, comparing ourselves to other people, usually who we think are less righteous than ourselves, in order to move God into a position where he should, if God is just, if God's just, he should then give me what I think I need and deserve. Because after all, I'm way more righteous than him. I mean, God, if you're fair, I mean, how are you blessing that marriage when we're over here? And that puts the onus on blessing on us and not on the graciousness and goodness of our God. We get, th- we get the praise for that blessing rather than thanking him for the blessing he gives us. But when we see it from a kingdom context and know that it is his righteousness that's meant to be revealed, it's his righteousness you and I are meant to build upon, that living out this righteousness should be enough for us. Why? Because it brings joy to Jesus. If that's all we ever get... If all we ever do in seeking out this kingdom is to bring joy to Jesus and to bless him, and we don't get back all the other things that we're hoping to get back by being righteous, that should be enough. Because our goal in this world is to bless our king. The goal in this life is to benefit his life, to bring him joy. And if anything else comes from that that's good, it's not from our goodness anyway, it's from his goodness. Like, that's what we have to come to. Like, everything good that came into our life did not come because we were righteous enough to get it. James 1, James, the brother of Jesus, said, all good things that come to you are from the Father. It's his goodness. It ain't ours. So you and I try to figure out this formula to be righteous enough to figure out what do I have to do to get God on my side to bless me is only going to lead to frustration, only going to lead to worry, only going to lead to stress, only going to lead to you and I grabbing a hold of the wheel again because it's not going to flow the way we want it to flow because we've got the cart before the horse. The reality is, my friends, and this is one of the things that's so joyful if we get it, The reality is, as disciples of Jesus, we need to start with the who, not the what. Who is the righteous one whom I should bless? Who is it? This is why that Greek word in front of righteousness is his. His righteousness. It's not its. It's translated wrong some places. It's not its righteousness. It's not our righteousness. It's his righteousness. Because when we're talking about this, we're talking about God's righteousness. But God's righteousness is not a thing to achieve. God's righteousness is a person to focus on, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the righteousness of God. That's the thing. When we're seeking it, we're seeking a person. That's what 1 John 2, 1 says. It says, look, don't worry. When you sin, you have an advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 
Yes, you and I are included in the righteousness of God because we're included into him, but he's the one. See, when we're focused on the what, we lose sight of the who. It takes us back to connect. There is a connecting. Seeking connects you to something. When we seek the what, it connects us back to the law. It connects us back to church culture. It connects us back to religious rituals and religious rules. It connects us back. It reignites that modern biblical context and makes us keep looking for that one thing. What's the one thing that will finally put me over the top to get God to bless me? But unfortunately, ultimately, when we lose sight of the first, it will always influence the last. See, passion influences our priorities, and our priorities always determine our pursuit. Our passion always influences our, 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 our priorities, and our priorities determine our pursuit. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, just a little bit before this. Where your treasure is, what you focus on, what you and I value the most, that's where your heart will be. That's what you'll seek the most. He's saying, man, when we lose sight and we, lose, and we get our sight on the what rather than the who, we will chase the what is going to come back to us rather than the who we're supposed to connect with. It's why happiness as our guide is such a dangerous metric for our lives, which is kind of the, 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 the clarion call of our generation. Just be happy. Just be happy. I just want you to be happy. The truth is our goal should not be to be happy. It should be to be holistically healthy and holy. Because here's the reality. I can be happy on my own, but I can never be healthy and holy without Jesus. I can't do it on my own. And I know we see it a lot of times. I'm a parent, so I get it. In parents' life, and I hear this constantly, even in the church, parents saying, I just want my kid, it doesn't really matter, I just want my kids to be happy. Can I tell you that's a dangerous metric? Because that's not how God works. And you're setting your children up to be disappointed with God in the long run. We hear it all the time. Men, we talk about it, we joke about it. Ha, ha, ha. Happy, happy wife, happy life. Ha, ha, ha. Happy wife, happy life. Now, I know beyond that joke, the problem is we set our life up like that. And that creates the wrong home, the wrong household for yourself, for your children, for your life. Because it's not happy kid, happy wife. It's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's healthy kid, healthy wife. Holy kid, holy wife. Healthy self, holy self. That's the kingdom of God. Everything else is setting you up for disaster. And then we blame God. God, I brought my kid to church. Yeah, but you taught him that God only wants him to be happy. Yeah, I know, but I mean, I stayed together with, 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 his, with his mom. Yeah, because you kept her happy when you should have helped her be holy. And the generational curse, come on, man. The generational curse that should have been broken... By us standing up and saying, this is what holiness looks like, wasn't broken, so it's passed down to my child. Holy. I can't do that. That's the kingdom. I can't do that on my own. I've got to seek the connection with Jesus because out of that connection, the things that are in him that aren't in me get in me. This, this passion for you and I to be happy, it's disastrous. It's in the Bible. We're not alone. One of the most holy men in the world did it. David. Do you remember the story? 
2 Samuel 11, many of you know the story. It's the story of David and Bathsheba, right? We know what happens. Many of you probably know what happens. But how does it start? Verse 1 says this. When it was time for kings to go out to war, David sent somebody else. When the kingdom was doing something, David chose to do something else. When David was designed to be who he was designed to be, he chose convenience over the kingdom. And out of the convenience comes catastrophe. What does verse 2 says? It says he got up off his big comfy couch, the big comfy couch. He got off the big comfy couch and he walked up in the middle of the night and he saw Bathsheba bathing. He shouldn't have been there. He should have been out doing what the kingdom called him to do, being who he was designed to be. But because he chose comfort and convenience, come on somebody, over the kingdom, he found himself in a position he swore he'd never be in, saw her, pursued her, knew she was married, slept with her, got her pregnant, killed her husband, who was one of his best friends and generals, covered it up, and caused catastrophe. He put the cart before the horse. He put his happiness before the kingdom. When it comes time for the kings to go out to war, David stayed at home. But when it was time for, to protect the kingdom, provide for the kingdom, advance the kingdom, do what the king does, he chose happiness, convenience of the kingdom. Can I just say this, my friends? I just want to really encourage you because there will always be Bathsheba's lurking when our focus on the kingdom is missing. There's always going to be Bathsheba's lurking around when our focus on the kingdom is missing. It's just what, and our, all of our Bathsheba's may be different. I know yours may be different than mine. Days may be different than Matthew's. It doesn't matter, but there's Bathsheba's lurking. And some of us have already given our hearts over to Bathsheba. And if you've given your heart over to Bathsheba, it's okay. Because sometimes we say this, well, man, I've always felt like this. I've always had this desire. I've always been this way. Long before I was a Christian, I get it. Because the devil's been influencing you since you were a child. Sin has been on your body since before you were born. Yes. So all we have to do is be what David did. Recognize it, identify it, and repent from it. The truth is, my friends, there's never a time where we in this kingdom are not at war. There's always a fight to fight. And I'm not talking about fighting with people, arguing over social media, putting posts up, arguing in you know, PTA. I mean, I'm not talking about that. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 12, you and I, there's a, a, there's a darkness in this world, principalities and powers, ideologies, philosophies, world, world concepts, generational norms that should not, that we have to recognize, we've got to stand up against. But David's issue can become our issue if we're not careful. He thought there were two kingdoms, a kingdom of conflict and a kingdom of comfort. And he thought he could live in one while counting on someone else to deal with the other. So often we think we can live in the kingdom of comfort while it's someone else's job to deal with the conflict, the struggle, the challenge. Let them change. It's the government's job. The church will take care of it. Who's the church? The reality is, my friends, since the kingdom is all around us all the time, there's always a battle for the ground that we're standing on. The real question that you and I have to ask ourselves in the middle of every conflict moment is this. How do I worship God in this conversation? How do I worship Jesus in this opportunity at work? 
How do I offer a praise to him in the middle of this difficult moment? How do I please my king by setting kingdom boundaries that other people may not agree with? What have I been designed to be a part of in order to be a part, to be a part of the answer to the issue of this situation? What have I been designed to be a part of the answer to the issue of this situation? We have to ask that question. That is worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth. Not just knowing the right thing, but manifesting the right thing through the power of the Spirit of God. I was having a conversation, I had an encounter this week, with a man at a uh, local uh, chain uh, hardware store that you may be familiar with. And uh, I was in a conversation, well, well actually I was in an accidental conversation. Have you ever been in an accidental conversation where they're having a conversation with you and you didn't really know that you were in the conversation until later on then they realized they were actually talking to you the whole time and you really weren't listening? So this dude was standing next to me and he was complaining about the, the, the cost of the hose and how much expensive it is and how ridiculous it is and when he was young this is what it was costing and an employee of that, for that uh, hardware store came over and said, look, it's a lot because there's a lot of theft, there's a lot of inflation going on, there's just a lot of circumstance, that's why it raises. And he launched into a discord, explicit discord, about how the problem is the people in Kensington. All the people in Kensington, they're all on drugs, all the people don't want to work, all the people are home, all the people, the problem with the price of a hose in Mullica Hill was the people in Kensington. So, since I was having a conversation with him, I asked him a question. I said, sir, can I ask you a question? He said, yes. I said, uh, what are you doing to be a part of the answer to that problem? He said, oh, I mean, you know, I've given a lot of money to a particular presidential campaign, and it is, the, it is that president who should be taking care of that problem. I said, sir, I'm sorry. That's not what I asked you. I asked you, what are you doing to be a part of the answer to that problem? And he said, oh, there's, no, there's really nothing for me to do. I mean, I, mean, I said, well, I don't know. Uh, you could take some food out and feed some people. Take some blankets out to the homeless. You could volunteer at one of the shelters. I know the Ertz Family Foundation is running a house for hope there. I, I mean, the, what? well, it's not my, it's, it's the White House. And I said, the problems in our world will not be changed by the White House. They will be changed by what we do in our house. In our house. These are the real conversations. This is the reality it's not someone else. We can't sit on our big comfy couch in our comfort and expect there to be a kingdom where someone else is fighting the conflicts that really matter in life. Now the truth is, can I just be honest? The truth is, if he was smart, he could have come back to me with a Bible verse. Right? Because I know some of you already have the Bible verse in your pocket. Some of you are like, I'll get an email. Pastor, you don't know the Bible. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, if a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. Now that scripture is true. Even if, Bible scholar, you didn't realize that the context of that verse is talking about you. It's spoken to Christians. 
But we must read it and respond in a kingdom context to poverty. A kingdom's context to pain. A kingdom context of how to respond to brokenness. Because I think last week we looked at Acts chapter 6 where there were widows... Jewish and Hellenistic widows who weren't being fed. And I'm fairly sure that the apostles did not say, oh, you know what the real problem is? The real problem is tell those widows to get off their backside, go find a job, because I'm, because I'm tired of taking care of them. The problem that they had to address was that there was preferential treatment of one race over another. America Maybe something we should consider. See, the kingdom of God provides for those who are broken. It provides for those who are disenfranchised and foreigners in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I don't have time to get into it all, but I can show you simply look at Jesus' response in the feeding of the 5,000. Now, we have to remember, there's not just 5,000 people. There's probably 20 to 25,000 because they weren't counting men. And his response to that was beautiful. He wasn't complaining that they were hungry. He wasn't complaining they didn't have food. He was not like their disciples that said, let them go take care of it, Jesus, not my problem. He wasn't even afraid to pay the cost for the bread. Instead, he saw an opportunity through that moment to do what the kingdom is here to do, which is to reveal the glory and the love of God that he has for people who are caught in darkness. Do you want to know what the kingdom is about? How do I reveal how much God loves, how much God cares, how much grace shows for people who are caught in darkness. I'm not better than someone caught in darkness. I've been caught in darkness. I am now a light bringer to those who are caught in darkness. We don't stand and shout at the darkness. We light a candle and enter the domain. Did you see it? There was an opportunity, and Jesus responded, and miracles showed up. So often we want miracles to show up, then we need to deconstruct that a little bit. Miracles showed up because he responded to an opportunity with the kingdom. Come on, we shouldn't be surprised by this, should we? It was Jesus' first sermon. He comes back from the wilderness right after what we talked about last week. After being baptized, and he lays out his kingdom vision. In Luke 4, verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Right? He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of God's favor. So when the word says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, it's challenging the lazy amongst us, not the lost amongst us. It's putting in front of us as individuals that our lives should not be passive, but actively involved because of what God gave us, the ability to tend the soil of the garden he blessed us with. Isn't that what he does with Adam in Genesis 2.15? Takes and puts him to the garden and says, I know I blessed you, but there's some work you've got to do. You want to know how to worship me? Tend the garden. There's going to be some weeds in the garden, Adam. You got to pull them. There's going to be some broken limbs in the trees. You got to mend them. I blessed you, but you got to tend to the blessing. The trap is, I think, that we personalize all those promises and we apply them to our own situations, which is biblical 
And it's true. They are for us. Yet I think at times as a church, as people, we struggle to actually see how they apply on a bigger scale. But in a kingdom, the king's domain or his dominion affects not only the individual subjects, but it, it affects the kingdom as a whole as well. It's both end, not either or. Yes, we can realize and receive those promises for ourselves. And yes, as citizens of the kingdom, it is our responsibility to bless our king by bringing those things to others around us. Both personal and corporate expressions of righteousness are two sides of the same coin. They're both his. They're both his domain. And they are both arenas of worship for him. Not just how I become more righteous, but how I bring righteousness into my workplace, my family, my friends. How I elevate their life and not condemn it. How I speak hope and I don't bring hurt. Isn't this what Jesus, uh, God does in the very beginning with Adam and Eve, Genesis 1, 28? Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, and use my dominion. There was a personal and a corporate expression of worship. They worship God by living in the boundaries of the blessing of the garden that he provided, and they took from that out beyond the intimate garden moments and into the world, his dominion. Here's the issue, and I'm almost done. Give me a few more moments. But I think this is something that God dropped in my heart for this moment, and I hope that it helps you because it, it, it set me free. The issue, the reason why so many of us today, I believe especially those of us maybe who were raised in the church or around the church or around religion, struggle so much with this verse is because we're trying to live in a New Testament kingdom while serving an Old Testament king. We are trying to live in a New Testament kingdom while being ruled in our mind by an Old Testament king. It's, that's what religion does. That's the foundation of religion, rules. That's what's messed me up. As a kid, man, I was always raised up with the don't touch, can't, shouldn't, won't, don't. God's ready to hammer you, crush you. And even though I've understood the grace and the love of God, when I'm pressed, there's still a part of me that says, what do I have to do to get God to bless me? What do I have to change? I must not be holy enough. There's something inside of me that brings it back to me. Oh, hear that. That's the problem. There's something inside of me that brings it back to me. Yeah. But my, his, it's never been about my goodness. Isn't that what we saw last week when, in John 8 where the woman at the, uh, is caught in adultery and the Bible says in verse 5, they, they, they come to Jesus who's proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand and they say to him, Moses said, what do you say? They're saying, I know there's a New Testament kingdom, but I'm still being ruled by the Old Testament thought process. What is the right thing to do rather than how can I reveal who Jesus is? Not what is the right thing to do, how can I reveal who Jesus is? Now remember, last week I told you the truth is that what we do will never be outside of the truth because the kingdom is founded on the truth. So I'm not asking us to respond in any other way than the, than the truth says to respond. However, it may challenge our biblical view on how to respond. The early church said, don't eat with Gentiles, Old Testament king, so the enemy could bring division. The early church said, the Samaritans can't have the Holy Spirit, Old Testament king. 
leave them unempowered. The early church said, this, this kingdom is only for the Jewish nation. Old Testament king undermines go and make disciples of all nations. This is why when righteousness is a person, we are looking to see him in the circumstance, reveal more of him through the circumstance, and worship him by reflecting him in the midst of the circumstance. And yes, sometimes that means drawing boundaries that other people, including our friends and family, won't accept. And other times, it means we get down in the dirt with people religious people think are unacceptable. See, my friends, I can accept a person without ever approving of what they do, just like Jesus does with you and I. Jesus never told me one moment of my sin was okay. But he accepted me anyway. I think the kingdom of God is seen so beautifully here in John 8. The only one who could have thrown a stone didn't. After all of them dropped their stones and left, she was still crouched down waiting. She knew they all left. She's the one who told Jesus. But she was waiting for him to throw the stone. Old Testament king. And the only one, my friends, who was righteous, who could have thrown the stone, didn't. But I think sometimes, even as New Testament believers, we're like that woman, crouched down in the dirt, waiting for Jesus to realize just how much we've messed up. Stand up, grab a stone, start winding up and letting the rocks fly. Because we are living in the New Testament kingdom, but still being ruled by an Old Testament king in our lives. But the kingdom is now go. Now go. Woman, I don't condemn you. Get up and go. Sin no more. Now go. Go unbruised by me. Go unwounded by me. Go without one stone thrown by me. Go into this kingdom where judgment could fly, but instead where who I am reigns supreme. And the Bible says in that moment, in that decision to stand in righteousness and the kingdom of God, dominion shifted. The dominions in the supernatural began to shift because of how Jesus responded. Because the Dominions began to shift over, not only because the dominion of the enemy wanted to kill, steal, and destroy this woman, but it also wanted to reinforce the pride and the piety in those who would cast the stone, but it would keep them further and further away from Jesus. When Jesus responded out of righteousness, out of kingdom, the dominions of darkness shifted, and the dominion of light stood in, and what, went, what meant for death in one brought life to another. You and I have the power to shift dominions. To shift dominions. Not to get my general, I got to get my Facebook friends to think the right way, to vote the right way, to make sure the right person is in the White House. We need to shift dominions. This is not Republican versus Democrat, right versus left. This is light versus darkness, hell versus heaven, eternal life versus eternal death. This is the kingdoms. That's why Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness brings peace. Peace produces joy in the Holy Spirit. And here's the end. 
The truth is, my friends, the things that get added back unto us, the things that are really valuable, are the pieces of him that we're missing, that caused us to pick up the rocks in the first place, to chase after that Bathsheba, thinking that happiness is better than joy, to take a hold of the wheel with those decisions, trying to tame our own anxiety, to move the boundary stones in our life to appease that family member, friend, or coworker, to choose our generation, our heritage, our country of origin over the needs of the broken and the hurting and the lost. It caused us to gladly apply those kingdom blessings to ourselves while neglecting to shift the dominion of darkness for others. These are the pieces of him that only come when we choose to prioritize our passionate pursuit of him and his kingdom. Don't get me wrong. God may add all those other things because of the goodness of God. But the most valuable thing that he can add to you is the missing pieces of him that caused us to pick up those rocks in the first place. That caused us to think, I'm good enough just the way I am because I'm awfully better than her. That caused us to move those boundaries to make someone else happy. Chase after that Bathsheba kill our brother, ignore the oppressed, see the hurting in Kensington, and care more about the price of a hose than the price of a person. What is missing in us? What is missing in his church? What is missing? That we could care about the price of a piece of plastic more than the price of a soul, of an eternal life, of a family, of a little boy, a little girl, of a generation. It's not condemnation, it's just a question. Because it will not be fixed because we try to do better. It'll be fixed when we passionately pursue Him and allow Him to fix the missing pieces in us. And all these things shall be added to you when you seek me with everything you've got. Whether it is in Nepal or South Korea or South Philly or Mullica Hill or Medford or Morristown, Queens Village, North Philly, it doesn't matter. It's not what, it's who. Maybe today you feel like you've just been stuck, like nothing's been flowing. You've been trying to do the right stuff for the longest time and still nothing's working. Maybe today it's time to take a moment, allow the Holy Spirit to show us that maybe, just maybe, we put the cart in front of the horse. Danielle and I love to garden. And when we garden, we have to take a hose around and water the flowers. And sometimes in the middle of watering the flowers, we lose water pressure and the pressure turns off. 
I realize when that happens, somewhere along the line, the hose got a kink in it. The hose got tangled and it lost the flow. Sometimes in our lives, our life gets tangled and we lose the flow. I don't scream at the hose and I don't let the flowers die. I take a moment to find out where the kink is and I unravel it to let the water flow again. That is the invitation of God today. If your intimacy with him is not flowing, untangle the hose. If the power of God is not flowing, untangle the hose. If you used to pray in the spirit all the time and those tongues aren't coming, untangle the hose. If you've got bitterness and not joy, go back to where it's kinked, repent, forgive, untangle the hose. It's not really that hard. When our end goal is to bless him and not to bless ourselves. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Well, we started out today singing and praying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy is Jesus. Holy is the Lord. I'm just going to give you a minute before I pray for you to pray. Maybe you've been away from God for a while. Maybe you can identify with what I talked about somewhere in this word today. Why don't you take a moment Ask the Holy Spirit, where is your hose tangled? And deal with it now. going to ask you guys to pray with me. Take a moment just to pray this from the bottom of your heart to God. But it's just a proclamation of trust and a repentance from missing the mark. It's just a confession that we're going to seek first his kingdom no matter the cost. And, and if that's not where you are today, then feel free. You don't have to say this. But I want to encourage you. There's something that happens when we pray together. There's something that happens when you put a memorial stone down to say, on this day, man, my hose was kinked. I was all, I was all messed up. I, but today I said, I'm all in. So devil, you're a liar. I'm not going back. I'm not walking back. I'm not thinking backwards. I'm living for the king. So if that's where you want to be today, Connect Church, I want to ask you to pray with me. 
Just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to praise you for who you are. I thank you that you're my king. I thank you that you saved me, that you set me free, that you brought me into your kingdom. So from this day forward and forevermore, I choose to seek first above everything else, not holding anything back, your kingdom, your righteousness, for your glory, for your honor. Forgive me, Daddy, for the times I've missed it. Holy Spirit, show me where my life is kinked. Help me to untwist the hose of my life. I need you. Flow in me again. Holy Spirit, living water, flow in me. Flow through me. Flow to the world around me. I live for you, Jesus, for your glory, for your honor, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Do you believe what you prayed? Then give God some glory. Lord, we love you today. What a great God we serve, Jesus. Let things be broken, lives be changed, past be healed in the name of Jesus. Generational curses we've let come down be shattered. Daddy, let your forgiveness flow. Your Holy Spirit, fill us up. Help us to be connected to you in ways that we've never been connected before. And through that connection, connect to our world like we never have before. We choose the kingdom and not comfort. We choose to follow the king and not to rest in our convenience. Today is a day that we give you everything in Jesus' name. You know, church, we're just going to end service today because there's a lot of, I hope, opportunity for you to go today and listen to the Holy Spirit this week and, and not be condemned by one word today, but to be inspired. What are those missing pieces? How cool will life be when we know him better than we know him now? Look, I know we can wait till heaven. Like the Bible says, when we get taken up into heaven, when we, whether it's now or then, we will be made like him. That's awesome. But why wait? Why wait for a healthy marriage? Why wait for healthy kids? Why, 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 why wait for a healthy view on anxiety? Why, why, why wait on knowing Jesus better? Today is a day of a brand new tomorrow. I really want to encourage you on the way out. Look, there are some ways that we can give back to God today and Part of that is in our giving of our offerings and our tithe and just a way to bless God. Because the Bible says if you receive anything good from God, it's time to give back to God. Part of seeking his kingdom first is seeking the health of his kingdom in the kingdom that you're in. Health. Healthy life here in church. Which starts with healthy finances and healthy ability to reach out to to people, healthy ability to love on those who are caught in darkness. 
And that's a part of our expression. So you can give a thousand different ways with filling out this envelope with check, with cash. There's a QR code up there. You can drop these uh, envelopes in the gold kiosk as you go around. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's not just about money, but it certainly, it certainly includes it. It's not just about our tithe, but it certainly includes it. And then everything else, and then everything else, and then everything else is added back. Can you guys stand with me really quickly? We're going to pray. We're going to go. Can't wait for next week. Next week, honoring dads. We're honoring Juneteenth. Pastor D is going to be bringing the word. I can't wait. It's going to be crazy. I know. If you've never heard Pastor Danielle preach, by the way, uh, you might want to be here. Um, And if you have heard Pastor Danielle preach, I don't have to convince you to be here. You'll be here. It's going to be great. Come on. Can you look? Can you just raise your hands up with me just for a moment? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Daddy, I am so broken and so lost without you. There's an Old Testament king that wants to take the throne in my head and my heart sometimes. I proclaim the kingdom of God. I profess the king named Jesus Christ above my mind, above our hearts, above this church, above our lifestyles, our desires, our dreams. We proclaim the kingdom of God above all things, first and foremost. Daddy, help us to seek you with everything we've got. Ignite a passion down deep in our soul that we cannot, that we can't hide and we can't control something that will ignite passion for you, for people, Lord God, for those caught in darkness while we still have the time. Daddy, while while we still have the time, Daddy, I pray that there may be an ignition in our hearts to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness above everything else so that your glory may be known in all the earth. Let your praise start with us. We give you the glory and the honor and the power and the praise. Bless each and every person here today. Bless everybody who's on vacation, all those who are down the shore, all those who couldn't make it in today, who are watching online. Father, I pray for every generation, Lord God, from our infants, Lord Jesus. We pray a blessing on that generation, Lord God, for every child in that nursery. We pray over them right now, prophetic voices in their generation, Lord God. Father, for songs and words, Lord God, to raise up for signs and miracles to follow them. For those who are in, uh, who, uh, for those who are in elementary school and middle school and high school right now, transitioning from middle school to high school and high school to college. We pray for special anointing on their life for this generation that seems to be far from you. Lord God, I know when things are far from you, you run after them. Lord God, you chase them down. I pray that the Spirit chases men and women in this house down with a passion for you, with a boldness that is unafraid. I pray for the 
the parents. I pray for the grandparents that are in this place, Lord God. I pray for the men and women who are spiritual parents to people. I pray for supernatural release in the Holy Ghost. Father, for there to be dominions to begin to shift in their marketplace. Dominions to begin to shift in their family situations. Dominions to begin to shift in their relationships with friends. In the name of Jesus, we take dominion over the dominion of sickness and cast it down in Jesus' name. We stand together in faith, Daddy, touching these things, saying, let dominion shift. Not because we're good enough, Daddy, because we know we never will be. But we profess the goodness of God in the land of the living. We profess the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I know that my Redeemer lives and he will put his feet back on the mountaintop again. So I pray that boldness over us today. Not to condemn, but to encourage. Not to judge, but to love. Not to push down, but to lift up. Just like you do with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you, church. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. God bless you. I'll see you next week.